We've been looking at 2 Corinthians 4, and tonight we're just going to review verses 8 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 18, before we jump into prayer. Now, pray. one thing we need to pray about is next Sunday that we, man, I hope we, we, we have some people here to encourage the uh, Hendricksmans, so, uh, because that would be a bummer if we don't. So, they're in, they should be back in town right now. That's it, babe. Should be in town right now, so that's a good thing. Handout, I do, I do. Yeah, I'm Wendy. And you think your homework's bad, Elle. Look at that. Yeah, Amy, do you need one of these? Yeah, Elle likes to do that kind of thing. There you go. Jamie, you want one? You may have one. This is the one we were working on. Well, I don't have a lot here um, to of notage, so I got a lot to say, but I don't have a lot of notes, so it's pretty pretty simple. Um, all right, so so we're here in Second Corinthians chapter four, and verses eight through eighteen is where we are today, and I've been talking about um, the. You know the credible the credibility keys is really what I've been working through. So if you're just picking up this outline in your hand, the the first credibility key uh, is um, um, when we see Jesus, we see our ministry. And your blank would have been our ministry, the ministry there. Uh, and then do you uh, you guys probably have all of that. Point A, the principle of Bible study when you see the word therefore, see what it is therefore. And point B is, um, how do we uh, see Jesus today? I mean, how do we actually literally see him? Of course, we talked about how we see him in the Word. And then under point C, it was practical steps to seeing Jesus. And I talked about setting time aside uh, to meet with him daily in the Word. Exodus twenty four twelve, be there. That was in my daily reading. Pray, meditate, start by reading. Um, take advantage of your adult Bible fellowships. Uh, be faithful to attending church, which is harder as the day of the Lord approaches. So those were uh, practical, was the word there, point C, practical steps to seeing Jesus. We talked about that. And then last time we got together on Sunday night, uh, before Jeff taught, uh, saw, when we see Jesus, we see his mercy. And as we have received mercy, of course, we faint not. And so I gave you some points there to talk about or to consider uh, that spending time with Jesus gives us appreciation for how much mercy God bestows upon us. And when we spend time with Jesus, there's um, uh, obviously we understand there's not one of us that deserves salvation, uh, and that's what draws us to Christ. And then we talked about how uh, we should be ministers of mercy because we receive so much mercy, and that the mercy we receive propels us into ministry, and that we minister about eternal things because God's mercy is eternal. So that's where we left off. Uh, and now we're on point three, which is uh, when we see Jesus, we strengthen our mind. And that's the magic, you know, fill in the blank for tonight is the mind. That's what we're going to talk about. So let's pray and then uh, and we'll bust open the word. Lord, thank you for the praises that Ron has offered today, uh, this morning, this uh, afternoon, uh, evening, hour. Reminds us of uh, the Old Testament, Lord, from, uh, you know, the morning and evening. Lord, we, we praise you. We thank you. We pray, God, this uh, evening that you would just encourage us in your word here in Second Corinthians chapter 4 as we look at verses 8 through 18. And, uh, and Lord, as we gird up the loins of our mind, 
to remain credible and faithful. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so when we see Jesus, we strengthen our mind. And we see here in the text, 2 Corinthians chapter um, 4 and verse 8, picking up the text here, it says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which are which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, for the abundant grace uh, might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Uh, And so, um, you know, so here we pick up the text, um, you know, as we look at this passage, I think of Luke chapter 12. It says, For unto whom much is given, much is required, and to whom men have committed much of him... Uh, they will ask the more, and, and our credibility rests in God, um, and uh, we serve in our feeble power, but yet Paul, in his weakness, is made strong, and God gives him much, even much uh, affliction, uh, so that he can be an example to the rest of us, so we can see the power of Christ, and uh, it's not our power, it's his power, and uh, that's awesome. So we're seeking Jesus, we're sharing Jesus, and now the third point here is we're suffering for Jesus, which is at the top of your outline on here. As the, the breakdown there, we're seeking Jesus, or seeing Jesus, sharing Jesus, and suffering for Jesus' sake. And that's not a fill in the blank. And so when we see Jesus, uh, we strengthen our mind. If we're going to suffer for his sake, um, it's important that we, uh, we understand that. So um, if you're going to suffer for Jesus' sake, the first thing you've got to expect is trouble today. So these are notes that you don't have room, so you can flip it on the back and write your notes down. Uh, so let me give you some fresh notes. You got to expect trouble today. Ephesians or Second Corinthians four eight through ten. Uh, that's really what Paul is saying here. Uh, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. So Christians got to understand that, that that credible Christians suffer for Jesus' sake, and they expect trouble today. Right? That's something that they're going to have is trouble today. Our hidden treasure is surrounded uh, by trouble. In verse seven, it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so the credible Christian understands they are carrying precious cargo because we have this treasure in earthen vessels, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says. This treasure that we have is in our bodies, and it's the excellency of the power of God and not of us. Colossians one twenty five says, Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery uh, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
So Colossians 1.27 says that Christ is in us, and that's the hope of glory. And so, so here's the thing, uh, kind of sub-point of the third point there. Expect trouble today and point, know our hidden treasure is surrounded by trouble. Um, and so right now, our, literally Christ is in us, and he is surrounded by trouble because our flesh is troublesome. He's conquered sin and death, but our flesh still deals in physics. It can grieve and quench the Holy, Holy Spirit. So we're, the Lord daily is dealing with trouble, so we should be encouraged because he's in us anyway, and he loves us anyway, and he's encouraging us in that because Christ is in us. It's our hope. It's our hope because we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So Paul is intentionally magnifying Christ in him. Then in, you'll notice in verse 8, uh, the po- next thing I'm pointing out here is under expecting trouble today is precious cargo attracts trouble. Precious cargo attracts trouble. This is important points, really. I, I wish we had a bigger crowd to preach this to. No offense. I'm glad you guys are precious. So, uh, But, I mean, this is something that the church needs to hear today. Precious cargo attracts trouble. And so this, illust- this is illustrated by the corrupt human nature. So in the Old West, armed bandits would heist the stagecoaches because of the valuables stored on board, right? And today, there was a movie a few years ago about the, uh, the Mursk and uh, over there in, uh, off the shores of Somalia, Somalia and how all these, these uh, uh, pirates, modern-day pirates, this isn't just old days, you know, pirates have been around forever, and they would, you know, they attacked a very, you know, a uh, very large commercial ship and were semi-successful, uh, and that's what the whole movie is about is the heroic effort of the captain and those on board to basically, and the United States military, to deliver that ship from the pirates because... Well, the cargo was precious. So good, you know, precious cargo, it attracts trouble, right? So there's a reason Christians are attacked. You see that. When I was lost and I didn't have Christ in me, I was attracted to, to war against Christians in various ways, whether it was making fun of Alex Jamie's for using chick tracks or uh, finding preacher kids and, and encouraging them in things they shouldn't do. Whatever it was, you know, they had precious cargo in them. And the, and they and they come under attack, and uh, and so um, you know in the old days they would use these bandits and stage coaches and they they graduated to robbing steam trains right for valuables and the things on board, you know Jesse James one of the local you know I don't know if he's a villain or a hero depends on who you are right Robin Hood of the Midwest uh, was noted for for robbing uh, trains and justifying it. Uh, and then Al-Qaeda, right, chose to attack the World Trade Center and the Pentagon because they represented the military and financial might of the West and our nation. And then, then you get the stagecoach, the train, the bank tower, or the bank towers one and two, the Pentagon. Um, but what's really, really important is the people, right? The, 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 pay, the paper and the power of those objects represent, um, uh, they all represent things that are precious, you know, those towers were symbolic. And so they came under attack because they represented the wealth of a nation. So this desire, um, uh, this precious cargo that's under attack, uh, I'm going to give you, hey, uh, Pam, Pam, I'm going to give you a worthless outline because we're everything I'm saying is not on here, but you can have that. I think we've already covered most of that. So uh, so, uh, so this this desire... Um, uh, is 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 something that uh, to, to have what we do not deserve is the very reason that God cast Satan out of heaven. 
Think about that. The desire to have what you do not deserve is the very reason God cast Satan out of heaven. Or, off, you know, really off his throne, I should say, because he was ruling on the earth at that time. So let me restate that. Um, uh, so the reason that Satan was cast off his throne is because he had a desire. Um, he had a desire to have what he did not deserve. Right? It wasn't his. He wanted something precious that wasn't his. And so he is, he's a thief, by the way. Right? So that's what he does. He's a thief. So Isaiah 14, by the, you know, well, comes to, that's why he likes to steal, kill, and destroy. Isaiah 14, 13, very familiar to all of you. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will, here's the problem, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. That's an authority issue. I will also, uh, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Right? I am going to exalt my authority against the authority, the ultimate authority. So he, he wants something that wasn't his, and that's God's glory. And God says, now we're not doing that. Satan didn't want to be like God. He wanted to take over for God. Satan wanted to rob God. And, of course, God has manifestly given and shown his benevolence is not that of a, of a thief, although he's a thief in the night in regard to redemption. Um, his, his, he's benevolent and, his, and he's gracious and merciful. He doesn't want to rob anybody. Satan wanted to rob God of his glory because he was not thankful for being part of God's creation or his role as the anointed cherub that covered the throne. So at the root of the opposition of this world, the, uh, the, the flesh and the devil, his desire is to rob you of the glory of God which resides in your carcass. So practically speaking, Paul is saying, hey, we've come in a lot of trouble. Notice in verse 6, remember, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we are a direct reflection of the glory of God to this world. And in our carcass is this precious vessel that our carcass in itself is corrupt. And so we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's just clay. But man, it's so precious what's inside of these vessels that it's going to come under attack. You just got to know that. That's why uh, I, I look at my daughter back there and I'm, she's virtuous. She's my virtuous virgin daughter. And so I'm like, you know what? There better be no boys that want to take her precious possession, right? Because daddy's going to. So there's a, there's a, there's a, just a nature, the nature of humanity, though, is such uh, that, you know what, the thing, the precious things inside the earthen vessels come under attack. And Paul knew that. And that's why they were distressed. There was troubles on every side, he said in verse 8. Yet, I'm not distressed. Um, we are perplexed, but not in despair. You know, there's days I don't know exactly what's happening one way or the other. You've seen, you've seen through the COVID thing you know, we're debating, how do we handle this? How do we handle that? We might be a little perplexing, but we're not in despair. In, in a world that's hopeless, we're sitting around going, hey, we're not worried. Actually, matter of fact, one of the things that's leveled against Christians today is that we don't care, that we're fatalists. Well, we're not fatalists. We're the opposite of fatalists. We have so much hope that we are not in despair even when everything's perplexing. But the world can't understand that. Right, yeah. If God is with us, who can be against us? I mean, we just have this overwhelming... Good ending. <laughs> Romans 8.28. I'm sorry. We believe the word. So, so uh, at the root of the opposition of this, of this world, the flesh and the devil's desire to rob you of the glory of God, which resides in your carcass. He wants to take the light out. He wants you to turn down the volume. He wants us to be not as bright as God would have us to be. So the next thing under this point uh, about being troubled is we're surrounded by trouble daily. And he says that in verses 8 through 10. And he says, and this is what it's looking like daily. Not only are they perplexed, but not in despair. Verse 9, they're per persecuted. 
but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So they don't allow fear to be a factor. And I'll be talking about this, not this coming week as I was going to, but the next week, how faith overcomes fear. Uh, so you'll have to come on the following week. Uh, this coming week, Pastor uh, uh, Missionary Mike Pepper is going to be here. So I'm going to let him preach to us because we need to get to know him. Um, but, uh, but the following week, I'll be talking about this very issue. Um, For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but power and of love and of a sound mind. You didn't know that, did you, Jeff? In the morning, a week from today, the 6th. It'll be that evening. It's Missionary Sunday. Didn't even plan it. That's by God's providence. So that's what he's dialed up for us, not what I dialed up. I dialed up a message on this point. (laughs) So uh, so anyway, God's going to put that off another week. So they're coming in Saturday, So I, and he's willing. And I said, yeah, stay over and, and uh, preach to us so everybody knows what we're doing, who we're doing it with, and all that. So, And they'll present their field, give us a good understanding of what's happening in, in uh, Sierra Leone and so on and so forth. And his son-in-law will be here as well, so that'll be good. Um, and so, uh, now, there's an old song by the CNC Music Factory. I got a feeling everyone here jams to CNC Music Factory. But uh, it, it, was, uh, it talks about the power, uh, and uh, you got the power. So, uh, you are of God, little children, and you've overcome them, because greater is he that is in you that is in the world. Right? So, we're surra- surrounded by trouble daily, but yet we have these promises that we don't have the spirit of fear, but power and of love and a sound mind, Second Timothy 1.7. And we've got the power. Uh, you've got the power. Because greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. It's one of uh, Amy's uh, fam- favorite verses it used to be. And so, uh, and this is illustrated uh, in Second Kings chapter 6. Now turn to there because that's a lot, lot of information. Second Kings chapter 6. And I'll just, I'm going to probably have to pull up here a little bit. Second Kings chapter 6 in the Old Testament. And uh, look down in verse 13, 2 Kings six thirteen. The Bible says here, And he said, Go and spy where he is, and I may send and fetch him. And, and uh, it, it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he uh, hither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when, he had, when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? So if you're not you know, familiar with this, Elisha is the prophet. He's the man of God, and his servant is with him. And overnight, uh, they are surrounded by the enemies of God. And he wakes up, and he says, uh-oh, how shall we do? You know, look, at, look out, master, what are we going to do? And he answered, fear not. Right? He's, what's happening here is there's trouble on every side. They are surrounded, and Elisha's servant is like, uh-oh, what are we going to do? Elisha's like, don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Uh, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, of course, if you're the servant, you're like, who are you talking about? You know, they that be with us, where are they? Because right now, Elisha, it looks like you and me, pal. (laughs) We're surrounded. Like Paul's saying, I'm surrounded everywhere in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Troubled on every side. Of course, you know the story as he goes on. And Elisha prayed, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Now, you may hear me repeat this, actually, in a week or so. Um, 
Because this is what we need today. People feel surrounded. They feel intimidated. They feel, uh, you saw the people being attacked coming out of the RNC the other day. You know, they're just surrounded. And, uh, you know, several, several dignitaries surrounded by mobs of people. And, you know, but you know what Elisha would say? Fear not. Fear not. Jesus was surrounded by throngs of, of angry people. Elisha prayed and, and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, verse 17, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And so, wow. So now this, this point ties into seeing Jesus, right? We talked about that in previous points and focusing on Christ. Paul had experience with being surrounded by trouble, both on the outside and the inside. In 2 Corinthians 7, uh, in the same book that we're in, uh, in verse 5, he'll go on to say, For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. And a lot of people, even though we always think Paul didn't fear anything, 2 Timothy 1.7. I've drawn great encouragement over the years from 2 Corinthians 7.5. Paul didn't fear anything. He told Timothy not to fear anything. But the truth is, as men, there were times of perplexing moments. There were times where they wrestled with inward fear and outward trouble. I mean, hey, they, they were just men of clay like we are. But inside was the precious vessel. Inside that vessel, the, what made him precious was the, the, the treasure that was inside. So 2 Corinthians 11, another 2 Corinthians passage, the Apostle Paul um, says of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. So he got 39 stripes over five times. So his back had to look terrible. You know, he was just lashed open, and, and uh, you know he had all kinds of scars. Those were, the, those were the marks. That was his, that was his uh, calling card. You know what? If you want to know that I'm for Jesus, just look at my back. You know, it's got all those wounds. Um, there, thrice I was beaten with rods. Uh, once I was stoned, right, to death. We, they thought he died. They took him outside the city in his first missionary trip. That's a good way to start off. And then he pops back up and goes in in Iconium and keeps preaching. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And now he says in verse 28 of that same text, beside those things that are without... So what are the things without, outside the vessel? That's what he just described. All the beatings, all the perilous stuff that happened in his journeys. That which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. That's the things within. The things he really cared about. He didn't care about his body, but he did care for the church because that was his primary job. He tells him in chapter 11, my whole job is to make sure I present you a chaste virgin under Christ. You can do what you want to my body, but don't touch the bride. right? And so... Uh, we should not look at a suffering. We should not look at suffering through physical eyes, though. In our culture, especially, we do. In verse ten, it says, "Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body." So, like I've had conversations with my bride. You know what? We don't know what tomorrow will bring. So, if it comes down to physical incarcerations and difficulties and 
Judson-ish type of activities where, you know, I'm wondering how my wife and kids are going to eat because I can't provide for them because I'm incarcerated because I just will not relent, right? That kind of thing. Well, you know what? Those are the things that Christians endure without. That doesn't mean, though, the church does. The business of the church has to go forward no matter what. So you got to mentally cross those bridges before you physically do because what's on the inside is way more important than what's on the outside. And what's on the inside of this building, this building's going to burn, but what's really precious are the soul's that are in it, all the precious vessels. So Romans uh, 8.35 now. So here's another point under this issue of, being, of trouble, expect trouble today. We should not look at suffering through physical eyes. So Romans 8.35 says this, who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation uh, or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Right, so when I saw my brothers getting slain by ISIS a couple of years ago, I mean brutally slain, crucified, literally, right? Uh, terrible things, not just, not just killed. That would have been merciful to just chop their heads off. No, they had to torture them to death, and their kids had to, wa- had to watch their children be tortured. It just terrible atrocities were happening just a couple of years ago. Um, okay, so what's the Bible say about that? The Bible says the love of Christ did not forsake those people. It didn't. The tribulation they went through, the distress they went through, the persecution, the famine, the nakedness, the peril, and the sword. The love of Christ was there. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Man, what, a, what an encouragement it is to read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Or to just watch a video on live feed or live, what is it called? Live leak or whatever. You can't find a lot of those videos on YouTube because they're too grotesque. You'd have to look somewhere else and watch one of our brothers get martyred not that that's an entertainment because it's not but i've always I told this story a million times i saw on that live link or live feed or whatever a young uh, north african gentleman in his nice little uh jumpsuit his little workout suit just all the, all of them looked the same all the muslim boys looked the same this man was a christian and um, they took him and they had a, they just they laid him down like a lamb right by an open hole he, he submitted. He was a strong-looking young man, I, I'm guessing in his early 20s and all of his buddies. And they just sliced his neck and let him bleed out. And he just let them do it. And they're all crying, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, or whatever it is. You know, and he just bled out. And it was so troubling, it disturbed me. And the Holy Ghost just said, Brian, he did just what I would do. That's exactly what I did. I was like a lamb led to the slaughter. And I don't know what was in that young man's life, why he was so docile. As an American, you know, you're just, you've seen too many movies. You're ready to defend yourself. And this guy didn't. And I just, I just, that's always left an impression on me. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter. The only thing I can figure is that when he was within distress without, he had perfect peace within. And uh, he was ready to go home. And uh, that was the way he went home. And he stepped out of this life in the next. His eyes were not blinded by what surrounded him. He was able to see beyond it into glory and he knew that this present distress was nothing that could be compared to the glory that should be revealed in him in that day and man i I look forward to thanking him when i see him again so trouble on every side yet not distressed perplexed yet not in despair persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed dying today so others might see jesus and live for eternity now look at verse 10 always bearing about in the body the dying of the lord jesus that the life also of jesus might be made manifest in our in our body when we die to self the flesh becomes transparent so the light of the image of god which is christ jesus shines through us 
when we give up, God is glorified. Uh, I've seen, I've been able to do funerals. When people finally die that didn't glorify God, God gets glory out of their death. Because when that vessel's shattered and, and the light's able to come forth, God uses it. Uh, the life we lose is reproduced in a tangible way in the lives of those we minister to. And so that's as far as I'm going to go tonight because I'm out of time. But when we get back together, I'm going to focus a little deeper on verses 11 uh, and 12. And we'll talk about expect eternal results today. And uh, that's very important. And then I'll, I'm going to continue. And I'll, I'm gonna, I'll update your outline a little bit. And then we'll talk about expecting eternal results tomorrow. So expect trouble today. Expect return, eternal results today. And then expect um, uh, reward tomorrow, eternal reward tomorrow. That'll be our outline. But I'll come back with more. So you, I'll give you a new outline because this one that I have is inadequate for you. Okay, so that's where we are. Thank you guys for coming tonight. Um, I got a, a few prayer pieces. Elizabeth, can you pass these out, please? Let's see. Let's see. Just do four. It's four, eight, 12, 16, 24. Include yourself and see what's left over. I'll take the balance. <clears throat> As we pause there, uh, are we still on recording? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up and do a little QA time. So thank you for joining us online. If you're listening from India or some other place around the world, I just want to say thank you uh, for your sacrificial service. Uh, we know that you all uh, understand this, and, and we look to you as examples of what it really means uh, to uh, get the light and the glory of God on the outside through um, uh, sacrificing and, and living out uh, what the Apostle Paul talks about. We know I just got it off the phone uh, this week with one of our brothers who's troubled on every side, and while they're 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 you know trying to feed orphans and trying to keep the church body literally fed, not spiritually fed, um, um, then they're also dealing with the issues, the practical issues of of uh, you know glorifying God. It's amazing. So all of you out there that are listening online that are not you know here in the states, uh, we're praying for you and with you, and we pray God's good hand be upon you. So. Well, with that, we'll, let's have a, just a brief prayer and we'll sign off. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these that may be listening online tonight. We pray, God, that uh, you would bless them. Uh, Lord, that you would have your hand upon them. All of our friends around the world that are facing really uh, serious, they're surrounded uh, with trouble. Lord, I know many, there's a, a young man who just uh, went home to be at the Lord. He laid his life down um, over near uh, the border of Arissa just, uh, just a couple months ago. I pray for his widow and children. Lord, we pray, God, for um, other martyrs that are like him, that uh, just because uh, the Hindu radicals did not like him, they executed him. Uh, Lord, that's going on uh, all the time. Uh, Lord, we, again, all those in the Middle East that have suffered and are still suffering. Uh, and Lord, uh, even down in places like Chiapas, Mexico, uh, Lord, there's places that, uh, that Hendricksman, Joe Hendricksman frequents that are very adverse to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in a dark age fashion, uh, the agents of, of, uh, of wrath come from people who would carry a cross. And so, Heavenly Father, we understand the, the, the distress that the devil's under. Uh, he hates the light that is uh, in, the, in the precious nature of these vessels, what's inside of the vessels, the light that we carry. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that we would decrease and you would increase so that the light would continue to be manifest. And uh, like Elijah's servant, we can, uh, Lord, anoint our eyes. Uh, like it talks about in Revelation 3. So not only can we see 
uh, you know, what's around us. But most importantly, we can see into heaven. We can see into eternity. And, uh, Lord, we can endure anything for Christ's sake and understand that it is worth it all when we see Jesus. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.